0: Will you turn with me to Revelation chapter 19? <clears throat> <clears throat> Revelation chapter 19. Now when we read this, would you please keep your Bible open? We're going to look at quite a lot of scripture this evening. We're going to see how the Lord leads us through this. I will be, no doubt, uh, doing part two next week. And I'm just hoping I can put it across to you that People will be able to grasp the the day that we are living in, the hour that we're living in. We talk about the day that we're living in, anyone with the Spirit of God living in them, knowing the Word of God, will be able to see the hour that we're at, never mind the day, that the coming of the Lord draws nigh. And when we see that, you see the, the, the world the state of the world, and I know people can say, oh, I see the state of the world. I'm talking about spiritually, the depravity of the world. See the wickedness in the world. Oh, we see wickedness, but there's wickedness in the world, spiritual wickedness, manipulating the rulers of the world. One world governments and new world orders, and you hear about it, and it's true. It's very real. And we, I'm not beginning to do a lot of quotes or anything like that, but we know that in recent tweets between, I don't even know what tweeting is eh? not on Twitter or Twitter or whatever you call it. <laughs> I haven't a clue. But apparently Donald Trump tweeted about Iran and he's saying that Iran would be more or less, I'm not quoting him word for word, would regret that if they uh, were to start a war with them, especially with the Israeli state. And, and you know, the, the, the Israelis and the Jews are in... Uh, They were prophesied to be there. But they're there for a reason. Even many Christians don't realize the reason they're there for. And it it isn't for all blessing. It's for Armageddon. It's for Armageddon. Mm -hmm. That's what they're there for. We might touch on it, but I don't want to go over weeks and weeks of this. But let's see how we get on this evening. Keep your Bible open, Revelation 19, verse 11, please. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress in the fierceness of his wrath and the fierceness of, pardon me, the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, pardon me. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Let's pray. Father, would you I take your word? And Lord, would you help us this evening to understand? Would you help me to rightly divide the word of truth? Would those who need ears to hear, would you give them the ears to hear? And eyes to see and hearts to receive. We pray, O oh God, that you would... Help us and settle us in your presence. And Lord, that you would, Lord, would you illuminate every one of us, Lord, to be able to see the day, the hour that we're living in, and the world that's all around us. Father, glorify your son, he who is the center of glory. Would you glorify him through the preaching of thy word? And help me, Holy Spirit, help me to exalt the Lord Jesus only, for in his name and for his glory and his seat, I ask it. Amen. So this evening we're speaking on the title, The King is Coming. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the world of or the state of the world that we're in and when he comes. So the King is Coming. Notice, this is a future, a future picture that John was given in his day. We're still looking to it. And things that were to be fulfilled from John on the Isle of Patmos writing the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right through until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ where we have read here in Revelation 19 and throughout that revelation book the revelation of Christ is known from chapter 1 the whole way through to chapter 22. Chapter 19 this evening shows us and speaks to us of the victorious and the glorious second coming of our risen Savior and the glorified Christ. The Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30 himself said these words about his second coming. Listen to these. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now Christ said that himself, the Lord Jesus said it from his own mouth. But he came the first time as a child. Here in Revelation 19 we see him coming the second time and he's coming as the commander of the armies of the Lord. He appeared the first time in a stable in lowly Bethlehem. He will next appear in the clouds From the highest heaven. The first time he came as a lamb. The lamb of God. And when he comes again. He's coming as the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He came the first time to save. To die for those he would save. And he's coming again to conquer. And to judge. He came the first time to hang on a cross. He's coming the next time. To sit upon a throne. He entered Jerusalem. The first time. On a little donkey. And he was beaten and rejected. He will return again. Seen here in Revelation chapter 20. On a white horse. Victorious. And glorious. Amen. To rule. The nations of the earth. <laughs> That's our Jesus. Jesus. That's who is coming again. And here we're told that he's coming. He came in humility. But secondly, here he's coming in glory. He's coming in glory. Revelation 19, verses 17 to 21. Can we read it, please? And I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. Now, that's not the heaven of God's heaven. This is the atmosphere, that where the birds fly, where we are in the sky. Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Notice, whatever is going to happen, this supper of the great God will happen on the earth. That ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, and both small and great. Now notice this. This is important. And I saw the beast. Note that. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies. The armies of the beast and the kings of the earth. Notice. Gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him, note again, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive. Notice the language the Holy Spirit lays on John here. Cast alive. Have you got that? Cast alive. A living death. Cast alive, he says. Into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. This is happening on the earth at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ comes, He's not coming for a picnic. He's not coming to a bless me club. He's coming to gather his own to himself and then he's coming to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Amen. They will not crucify him again. You see, the cross work of Christ was done once and for all, never to be repeated again. Notice the prophet, the false prophet and the beast are taken and cast alive into a lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 and let your eye run down the very book And all those that are resurrected after what's known as a millennium reign of Christ, notice what it says here. In verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's the same lake of fire. The beast is in it. The false prophet is in it. And when we look at Revelation chapter 20, we'll maybe do it another time, we find in it also is the devil. That's right. That's right. The devil will be cast into the lake of fire alive. Men and women whose names are not found written in the book of life on that day will be cast into a lake of fire. Listen, alive. Right. It's called the second death. The living death. Eternal Notice here the fierce rage, war that rages against the saints of God and of Christ. Let's follow the thread just as we go through some of these scriptures. Verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And righteousness he doth judge, and what does he do? Make war. This is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This is gentle Jesus. He's never going to, you hear from modern day preachers, he's never going to judge anyone. He's coming to make war, brothers and sisters. Is it the scripture says? He's coming to make war. Now notice this. He is set upon a white horse. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in linen, white and clean. So the armies are on white horse. He is on a white horse. Verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Notice here again, talking about the Lord on his horse. Verse 21, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Now listen, This is symbolic. Jesus isn't coming literally on a white horse. It's symbolic. It speaks of him riding as a champion, coming in victory on the charger. Notice this. Three times it speaks of Christ on his horse, a white horse. One time it speaks of those who follow the Lord Jesus on white horses. So here's a note. If they're all in white... And they're all on white horses. What makes him stand out from the rest? I'll tell you. What makes him head and shoulders above all others? Why would John see this one overall if they're all together? Notice here. The answer is because he leads. Could be. Well, how do we know it's Jesus? And how do we know that it's he who's coming again? And how do we know it's not just an angel? How do we know it's not just some other uh, uh, mighty prophet? How do we know? How do we know it wasn't Muhammad? How do we know? That's what Islam will tell you. Muhammad came and had revelations. How do we know it wasn't Gabriel? Let's just follow this thread before we go any further this evening. Notice, first of all, He's called, in verse 11, faithful and true. Faithful and true. Will you go with me to Jeremiah chapter 42, please? This evening will be more of getting a basis of the word on Christ and his revelation. Remember, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we'll get the revelation of Christ, and then we'll be able to know who's coming and to what. Just one verse in verse 5, please. Jeremiah is speaking to the southern kingdom of Judah here and he's telling them of the safety if they obey the word of God. Jeremiah 42 and 5. Then they said to Jeremiah, Notice the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not even according to all things for the Lord which the Lord thy God shall send thee. To us. So here he is called the very same words. The Lord is the faithful or the true and the faithful witness. Now, when you're reading the New Testament, brothers and sisters, here's the very, here's a little rune for you. You can't fully understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. People say, I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, we're saved in the new covenant. I know that. But listen, people say, I'm an Old Testament Christian and they're full of law. Law, law, do, do, do the law. I'm a Old Testament Christian. Old and new. Notice, you can't know the new without the old. The old will explain the new. And the new will reveal the old. So here the prophet says, the Lord is the true And faithful witness. And here again we're told that Jesus is called faithful and true. For example in 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. I'll just read these out. It says God is faithful. There's no man faithful. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. And the pastor briefly mentioned it this morning, there's no temptation taken you, but such it is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with a way also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So who's faithful? God is faithful. You can take that for your life tonight, brother, sister. You can take it for your home tonight. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul says to Timothy, of the Lord. He abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And in First Peter chapter 4 and verse 19 the Lord is called a faithful creator. So who is this on the horse? Let's go to Revelation 19 again. Revelation 19 the Lord Jesus in verse 11 and I, and I saw heaven opened Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, let's look at verse 12. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. First of all, you can write this down. The flames of fire, you'll find him in Revelation chapter 1, and they speak of the burning judgment of the Lord. Eyes that are able to see through man See through woman. God is not mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, brothers and sisters. And We can stand and try and give our excuses on that day before God. Men and women can try and stand and excuse themselves and lie through their own teeth. But the burning eyes of the Lord will search all the inward parts of the belly and the spirit and they will be opened before the Lord. His eyes are as a flame of fire. His head crowned with Many crowns. That's secondly, his head is crowned with many crowns. Again, pastor touched on it this morning. Revelation chapter 1. Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto our God. Now, twofold this is. One is our crown as kings and priests unto God that he hath made us. Our crowns are his crown. They're his crown. And secondly, when he comes again, the kings of the earth will throw their crowns down at the feet of Jesus. Amen. If Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, reigns, and long may she reign, dear help us, if Charles gets in. <laughs> long may she reign, but Christ will come and take her crown. Amen. She's only keeping the seat warm, as they say, the crown warm. Until the king returns. Notice. Crown with many crowns. Every crown belongs to him. Now you need to take note of something here. This is just a little little rabbit trail. As my friend in the states would say. You'll notice that the Pope wears a triple crown. One, two, three. Triple crown hat. Now you need to take note of this. That, or, that triple crown means that he is the Lord. Over heaven. Earth and the underworld. That he's Lord over all. And where do we find that? Wherefore God hath also highly exalted and given him a name, which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now notice this. Jesus has many crowns. Because he is God over all. Over all people and over all things. Over all nations and over all the universe. We're going to see how he comes again in his glory. The full orbed Godhood and Godhead of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this also, right? He has a name that no man knew but he himself. Know what it means? An unsearchable name. So you can write there the unsearchable name. In other words, he's got a name that's so rich we cannot pronounce. He has a name so deep that we cannot fathom. He has a name so mysterious that we cannot fully comprehend and know. This is the person of Christ. This is not just some prophet or religious guru that was nailed to a tree, crucified. This is the fullness of God. God in humanity isn't he beautiful isn't he beautiful notice this verse 13 he says and his eyes were as a flame of fire pardon me I'm reading 12 and and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God this speaks of his eternal deity In the beginning was the Word. The Logos. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning... With God, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. John says, that's John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the word, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, when did John beheld his glory except for revelation of Jesus Christ? Because he wrote that before this. When do you behold his glory? Well you read about it when the Lord Jesus takes Peter, James and John up the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17 and Jesus is transformed from the inside out. The very glory of God comes from without him and with him stands in the vision uh, of of Moses and Elijah. So we can see the, the very deity and the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now keep with me. Notice... His vesture was dipped in blood. This isn't the blood of Christ. This is speaking of the blood of judgment. It's not the blood. It's not his own blood. His own blood has been shed. His own blood was poured out in full purposefully for us. This is the blood of his enemies. We're going to show you some of this stuff later on. Notice. Notice. Notice, and he was clothed with a vesture or dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Here's a wonderful thing you can look at as well. Go to verse 14, please. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. This is the righteousness of Christ upon those who follow him and know him as Savior. Notice, let's go on down again. In the verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. Now that doesn't mean to say he opens his mouth and big swords are flying out. You know what that sharp sword is? It's the word of God. Oh. That's the sharp sword. What's the sharp sword that should come out of your mouth? The word of God. What is it? Well, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Scripture interprets Scripture. We don't need to put fancy things on it to make it sound pretty. It's truth. It's truth. How did the Reformation come about? The Word of God. The just shall live by faith. Isn't that right? Sharp two-edged sword happened in history. And we see that happening. Where? Revelation chapter 10. Go read Revelation chapter 10. There's the angel standing with one foot in the sea and one foot upon land. And he has a little book open in his hand and one hand is toward heaven. I haven't time to go into it tonight, but that gives a vision of Christ and his glorious gospel going over land and sea. Plus in Jeremiah chapter 16 and 16, I think it is, The Lord says, I will send for fishers and hunters to go and fish and hunt after scattered Israel with the word of God. The word of God came and hunted us down and we heard of the glorious gospel of saving grace in Jesus Christ and and that went over land and sea. Sea, fishers, hunters, land. Scripture will interpret Scripture for us and we will be able to understand it better when we stick to that. Notice this. Notice this, verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. Would you say smite the nations? Smite the nations. Jesus is coming to smite the nations. The nations will come and worship him. He will come to smite the nations. Notice, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And here's where we get also, now there's Old Testaments, we'll not go into the Old Testament at this point, but here's where we get the blood on his vesture. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Treads the winepress. The wrath, the blood is on his garments. Do you see it? Scripture speaks of Scripture. Notice what he says. He has in his hand a rod of iron. Now, believe it or not, time's flying, okay? So, I'm only touching this. We're going to really get into it. Not maybe tonight, but we'll get into it a bit more. See this rod of iron? I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, please. Because I want to go show you. I want to show you something really precious here for you. And it should help you with your study. I know this is more like a Bible study tonight than preaching. But sure, all word of, is good, isn't it? Revelation chapter 2. Now, when you read Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, what you have is the seven churches, the seven letters to the seven churches which are in Asia Minor. They were seven literal churches, and every characteristic of every church is different. Around the area where it's Turkey today. And they are different. And you can read through, and Jesus judges these churches and who they are and what they've done and how much they love them and how much they don't. And he, he says, I know the characteristic of your church. And he talks about them. Starts with the church of Ephesus. And goes right through the churches, the whole seven of them. And he stops at the church of Laodicea. But all of those things can happen in a church assembly. In other words, different things. But in prophecy scale, from Ephesus, right the whole way through until today, from the church of uh, the early apostles, right through until today, you and I are living in the Laodicean Church, the seventh church age, as it's known. It's the church before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have read about in Revelation chapter nineteen. Is everybody with me? See, so of these ages, we're living at Revelation chapter. 16 into 17, 18, 19 is starting to happen. It will fragment more and more, starting to happen. But coming up to 19 to the coming of the Lord, this is the Laodicean church age that's neither lukewarm, it's neither cold nor hot, makes Jesus want to spew us out of his mouth. Because the church is just wishy-washy church. It's happening, isn't it? Don't you see it today everywhere? It's a church, and cold or hot doesn't mean to say, Jesus says, I work that thou work, cold or hot, that I wish you'd just either love me or not. That's not what it means. It means refreshingly cold. Right. The church should either be refreshingly cold and or burning hot with zeal for Christ. That's what it means. He says, but rather you're neither what? You're not refreshingly cold, and you're not burning with zeal, and you make me sick. Right. And churches today, they draw rather come before you. And they'd rather tell you how to have a best life now and right. 10 uh, ways to have a good day and how to become rich quick that's and right. all that sort of stuff. And, and that's what the people are eating because the people love to have it so. That's right. Jesus says, this makes me sick. I pray my life doesn't make him sick. Now notice this, we come from these churches, seven churches, we come to Thyatira. Would you say Thyatira? Thyatira? Now Thyatira means this, I'll just say it briefly. Thyatira generally means ruled by a woman. Ruled by a woman. And who is the woman? Let's read about her. Revelation chapter 2 please. And verse, let's our run down just for time's sake. Oh dear, let's go to verse 18. And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like, what is it? Unto a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I know thy works in charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. And the last be, last who be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest, that that woman, who's the woman? Jezebel. Who was Jezebel? Jezebel, you mark it down and read it when you go home. First Kings chapters eighteen, read seventeen, eighteen, and into nineteen. You read about Jezebel around there. She was married to a, a king in the northern kingdom of Israel, who, who was not of the proper line of kings ruling from Samaria in the northern kingdom. And she ruled her husband and she ruled the land with fear. And Elijah the prophet was the one that was stood there. And then she ran in fear of this woman. Now this woman, controlling woman, comes in and she is in the church of Thyatira. She's in the church of Thyatira. Now notice, because I have suffered that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I give her space to repent of her fornication. She repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed on them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Now, I'm going to have to cut some of this down and just tell you, this is the time period of the Roman Catholic Church rising. The papal church. This is the woman that rides the beast in Scripture. This is the arising of this woman, this harlot woman, this controlling spirit, controlling the people under that system. This is not about Roman Catholics tonight. Please get me I don't understand me here. Get me straight. This is about the system of it. And here the Lord has said, this is who this woman is. And I'll bring tribulation. Revelation 10, the Protestant Reformation comes with the, the little book open is the gospel that we spoke about. And then, of course, the persecution—the persecution of God's people—came. Then, now, notice this. Let your eye run down just for time's sake, and you can read it when you go. Go home. Let your eye run down to verse twenty-seven. It says of the Lord, and He shall rule them. What does it say? With a, With a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my father. Notice, a rod of iron and potter's shivers, broken vessel. Now stay with me. I hope I catch you. I have all this in my head and I know it and I can pull it out and it's hard to get it over. And it's not that I'm more clever. It's just I've been reading it for years. So it's harder for you just to hear it. So I'm trying to do it the best way I can. You go with me, please, to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Is everybody still with me okay? Daniel chapter 2. And let's just read from verse 31. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is a king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and no one can tell him the dream. He doesn't want to tell them the dream. He wants his soothsayers and his wizards to tell Nebuchadnezzar his own dream, and then the interpretation of it. So they count and they send for Daniel, and Daniel being a child of God, Daniel from the tribe of Judah. This Judahite comes in and he seeks the face of the Lord, he seeks Yahweh, and comes in and this is what he says in verse thirty-one, Daniel two thirty-one. Thou, O King, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, and his feet, what does it say? Part of and of clay. Now, do you see the resemblance here starting? The iron and the clay. Thou sawest, he says in verse 34, till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Notice, he's breaking the iron and the clay to pieces. Clay, pottery, shivers. Now note, let's go on. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, Notice, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell thee the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings. He was an earthly king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, and the beasts of the field, and the fowls of heaven, of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Notice what he says to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar, in the Babylonian kingdom, of this dream is the head of gold. And when you read on down, you'll read that dream. He has chest and arms of silver. The next kingdom to throw the Babylonians off, but in the same region to take over the country were the Medes and the Persians. One arm for the Medes, one arm for the Persians. Next was Alexander the Great through time came and Dislodged all of them. In fact, the Medes and Persians, when they took them, you have Daniel in the land's den and Ezekiel by the river Chibor and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, all around the time of the head of gold. And then it comes into the arms of silver. That's the Medo Persian kingdom. And it was Cyrus, Cyrus, the Medo Persian king, who released them. Uh, those to, the, the Judaites to go back and to build the walls in the temple in Jerusalem again, and then comes through time, then comes Alexander the Great, and that 's the bronze or the brass kingdom, okay, and then after Alexander the Great, who comes, the pagan Roman Empire, the iron legs is the pagan Roman Empire, and then from the pagan Roman Empire, the feet and the iron and of clay. They stretch out, and there were ten kingdoms. I can't remember them all off by heart, but I'll try and tell you some of them. Little, little kings: the uh, Allens, the uh, Heruli, the Franks, the Burgundy. Um, anyway, there's ten of them. And they attack Rome. And they start bringing down Rome. And what happens? Rome starts to fall. And they call their troops from as far as Hadrian's Wall right back into Rome again. And from that, that's known as the Uh, The wound, the deadly wound of the beast. We're talking, we're hearing about things all pan the sky. Everybody's away, and all this is going to happen. Sir, what does it matter then if we're away? We don't need to learn this. This happened in history. The deadly wound of the beast happened at the pagan Roman Empire and its fall. And then we're told there's another head will rise up. It will revive. What revived? The papal Roman Empire started coming out. The papacy started to rise up. So notice this. This is where the iron uh, and the clay feet are, where these ten kingdoms were. And these ten kingdoms took up where modern day Europe is with the Gauls and the Franks and so on. They take up modern day Europe. And from there comes in the 1950, I think, I don't want to be giving you these wrong dates, but I think it's about 1950 we had the Treaty of Rome. And from it comes the EEC. And from it comes the European Union. And from it, and from it comes, you ready? A one world army. A new world order. A one world government. That's why we as the United Kingdom need to be out. You know why? Because Jesus in Revelation 19, it's called Babylon, the beast of Babylon. And the woman, the whore, still rides it. How do you know? Sure, everybody's turning against it. Because this ecumenical movement is bringing every faith in and it all become mixed in with one head, being a papal antichrist. You can see it, can't you? Can't you see it? Christ is coming. The king is coming. Revelation 19 says he's going to come. That gets bigger than that. We haven't time to go into it. Maybe next week. Do a little bit more tonight and then we'll close here. Behind the scenes, you have one world, one worlders, And we have even the like of Trump. Some of you are not going to like me saying this. (laughs) That's to say nearly all of them. Including Benjamin Netanyahu. All one-worders. And Jesus said, there are those that say they are Jews, but are not They are the synagogue of Satan. You know what they're doing in the background? It's all the banking fraternities of the Rothschilds and the Bilderberger. And they're lending money to one country, then they lend money to another country, and one country fights another country, and there's world wars, and they sit back, and they rub their hands, and their bank accounts become inexhaustible. And they fund all of these Uh, liberal uh, groups they fund them to tear down the gospel of Christ to bring down and destroy the family unit in the nation they program the minds, they program it they own Hollywood they own Hollywood and every time you're out and you're watching, I own the music business, and every time you're listening to your worldly music, and every time you're looking at your your uh, your movies and all that, be very careful. Very, very careful. I'll tell you why. Because they're manipulating your brain. And every time you bring your children to watch their simple Disney things, you know what they're doing? They're programming your children to accept that which is abnormal is normal. The king is coming. You hear that, brother, sister? The king is coming. We'll go on a wee bit more before I stop. Okay. Told you I wasn't going to keep you late, and I don't want to tonight. Still early, but I wanted to get you away early. Give me another few minutes. So in Daniel, we find notice there is an image. And notice what it says Thou art this head of gold. Let your eye run down, please. The verse 41. I tell you what, let's go to verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. That's the pagan Roman Empire. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and some doeth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And more as I sawest the feet and toes of potter's clay, and part of iron and the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it. But there shall be in it of the strength of iron. For as much as I sawst the iron mixed with merry clay. Now take note of this. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Whereas I sawst iron mixed with merry clay, they shall mingle themselves together with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Let me tell you what that means. Do you ever get and you've lifted something out of your garden and it's been maybe a piece of iron and it's all baked with clay and you just peel it all off it, breaks off it and you can wash it up? It's the exact same thing. Iron and clay will not mix. They can be glued together but they won't be fused together. Now here's the thing. These iron and clay feet are not mixing together. Listen, and I don't mean, I don't mean to hurt anybody. I don't mean to offend anyone but this is the truth. We are hearing of all the multicultural faiths and all of these things being worshipped. I don't care what colour your skin is, friend, if you're worshipping the same saviour as me. Don't you get me wrong here. But we're talking about this and that and the other religions and faiths and temples and mosques going up all over the place. You know what's happening? Everybody's saying we're all in cohesion and we're all being together and it's all lovely and it's all ecumenical. The iron and the clay, it's both government and its church, as it were, or religion, it does not mix together. That's, right. That's why we're having our problems. And Europe is the same. That's right. We cannot mix. Because Europe is going to fall. Why? Because all those nationalities, even of Europe, all those nationalities, even of Europe, they have their different cultures, even among Europeans. They have their different thoughts. They have their different ways. They have their different ideas. They had their their different currencies. And they're trying to bring them all into a one world government, a new world order. And the word of God says it doesn't work. Listen, Babylon the Great, which European Union is, among the other Babylon of the world, uh, that's in relation to us. Babylon the Great says here in the book of Revelation, will fall. Europe is going to fall. Listen, we think of, of Greece and we think of Portugal and we think of Italy. And we think of the, the Baltic nations. We think of all those ones. And they're all falling under it. Ireland can hardly prop itself up. And we have a man down in Dublin telling us we'd be better with them. Right. I'm getting excited about this. <laughs> and with a Remainer trying to tell us how to leave. That's right. That's right. Listen. I'm going off and kilter here with this, but listen. Here's something for you: thirty-nine billion for a, a wee bill to pay, eh? Let me just give you an idea of thirty-nine billion. One million, who'd like a million pound? Be great, wouldn't it? Go and buy a nice house and a car, and you'd have no worries the rest of your life. Wouldn't that be good? Not that we're looking for all of these things. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Because that's a lot of money. Well, if you, I was to give you one pound every second of the day and night, non-stop for 11 and a half days, you'd have a million pound. Okay? For 11 and a half days. If I was to give you a billion, one pound, every second, you know how long it would take me to give you a billion pound? People think, well, maybe a little bit more. 35 years. Now for 39 years it's going to take us one pound a second non-stop for 1,205 years. It's not that bad Mrs. May. Sure it's not. You can shove your deal. (laughs) Stick it. That's not very nice. Sure it's not. Well there you are. But anyway. Does it give you an idea of where we are? And do you know where it's going at the end of the day? It's not coming back to us. Right. It's going into the coffers of somewhere else. And do you know where it goes from there? It goes into the fat cats. And do you know where they belong to? They belong to the banking system. Right. You and I are still slaves. We are slaves. Every one of us are slaves. Not to the government. Oh, well, maybe they may be our (laughs) foremen. We're slaves to a one world government, a new world order that they're trying to set up. We're slaves to an elitist banking system. But here's the thing our great Redeemer's coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Let me find somewhere to stop, and I'll stop, and we'll go next week. In the Lord's will. So here this woman. Uh, in Revelation 2. With a rod of iron. Uh, 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 that is judged with a rod of iron. Speaks of Rome. This uh, ecumenical system that we're living in. All you need to do is go on Google. And look ecumenical system. The church of Rome. You'll see the people see with every religion under the sun. Including the Charismatics. So-called Pentecostals—they're not. They're charismatics. Now, notice this: this woman—the characteristic of the Church of Fire, Tara—is it is characteristic of being legitimised of church—an illegal, or that's not the word—an evil union of church and state. Do you know in 500 AD? the first Holy Roman Emperor, the first real Holy Roman Emperor was set aside by the Pope. He becomes the figurehead of a, not an ecclesiastical body. He's called Charlemagne. Know when he done it? Christmas Day. And he's known as the first Holy Roman Emperor. You go conquer The Pope says, but I rule. How many of you have heard this before? How many? How many people haven't? How many people haven't? The Lord Jesus with his feet treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of his wrath with his feet. Revelation 1 and 15, his feet are like fine brass. In verse 17 of Revelation 1, John says, I fell, and his feet is dead. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 25, speaking of the second coming when Christ comes again to earth. Notice what he says, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet when Christ returns he'll rule with a rod of iron that rod of iron sometimes with the sheep is used it's known as a shepherd's club and it's for shepherding with but here in this instance it's used to rule with turn to Revelation 19 and we'll close I'm going to find somewhere for you to close here because I'm I got carried away there with something else. Notice this. Revelation 19 and verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh and he am written King of kings and Lord of lords. Here's where I'll close. See here on his thigh. Why? King of kings and Lord of lords on his thigh. i want to say something. That, I want you to please get me right. I don't want this to sound crude nor crass. For the holy, all things are holy. Pure, all things are pure, says the scriptures. Let's keep it like this. People think it was just a writing around his leg, but there's a meaning behind this. For example, we'll not go into it, but write down Genesis 24. And you'll read of Abraham sending Eliezer, her servant, out to find a bride for Isaac, Abraham's son. And he says to Eliezer, swear that you'll not bring, I'm paraphrasing, swear to me, that you'll not bring a wife back for my son from the Canaanites. Eliezer's to swear, and we're told he's to put his hand under his thigh. That sounds like he's put his hand there, and what's that all about? It's not what it means. There's three areas for the thigh in Scripture for the same word used. One is the hip. One is the inner thigh right to the groin. And one is right upon and around the groin itself. All of these are used. Why? Because there was a covenant of circumcision of the flesh with Abraham. And because, actually some Jewish writers, I read them, and they said that they actually think it was actually right uh, right upon the groin. Because of the seed. Speaks of Abraham's seed. Now here's the covenant made between me and God. Swear unto my seed. That's what it means. Here again in Genesis chapter uh, 32. We have Jacob wrestling all night with the angel of the Lord. And he smites him in the thigh. Remember his hip the hollow of his joint. So what it means around the hip socket here. And he walks with a limp. Remember, he's hopping the rest of his days. Why? Because it was close to a covenant that he would make with Jacob Israel. That's right. To remind him of a covenant, we break bread in the morning. My niece is unsaved, and she phoned me this morning. She says, I watched your service this morning. What is that you do around the table? I says, we break bread and remember the Lord. She says, I thought that was beautiful. What does it mean in a I just says, that's beautiful. It's just a covenant to be reminded of what God has said. So Abraham, or pardon me, Jacob Israel, his name is changed in the covenant made with him and God. He smites him on the hips, so the whole groin area is reminded of the covenant of flesh and of spirit. Choose other times. Here's one more for you. Genesis chapter 47. Jacob, who is Israel, is dying and he's in Egypt. He's in Egypt. And he says unto Joseph. Now Joseph with the, the coat, the one he thought was dead, and who comes into Egypt and saves Egypt, and then saves it uh, his father and his and his brethren. He says that he says to, to him, He says, Swear unto me, you'll take my body outside of Egypt to bury it. This is important because you have to go back to the land of our fathers. He says, I swear to you, Father. And he says, put your hand on my thigh or under my thigh, which means right under, as though you touch the groin. Here is the seeds on your swearing. In the covenant of God and to your seed that you'll follow on the Lord. And when Christ comes back. The word of God will be on his thigh and why he is the king of kings for he remembers the covenant that was made with Abraham with Isaac with Jacob our fathers he will remember the covenant that was made at the cross and all of us that are his we will be gathered on them I am your king I am your king Brothers and sisters, the king is coming. He's coming. Isn't that something to be excited about, isn't it? The king is coming. How do we know that this one, I've only touched on Revelation 19, to try and give us, we'll look at more God willing next week. How does he know of this one who's out in the front who he is? Well, we've showed you, but I'll tell you how you know who he is. Because the Holy Ghost the chief office of the Holy Ghost is to take of the things of the Son and to reveal them the us. <laughs> That's how he knows. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, God, the Holy Ghost himself, takes it and he shows no one but Jesus to every one of us. Brothers and sisters, doesn't matter what we're saying. It doesn't matter what they're saying in the news. And I'm arguing and fighting and struggling on to see us get clear of this European Union. I'll continue to do so. And I've been called a few choice words for it on privately and on emails and stuff like that. But I don't care. I don't care. They're talking about the money. Yes, we understand business. We understand all of that stuff. You know what my main problem is? It's not the business end of it. It's the spiritual end of it. That's why I want out. I want out because it's a beginning of a new world order, a one world government. But do you know when the new world order is coming? When Christ comes back. It's his order upon the earth. One word government is his government upon the earth. Tim, come on up, please.